Hey, this is Ashley. Hey, this is Marcy. And this is School on Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasionally libations. Happy November. We hope that you are moving into this month well. This episode drops on Election Day 2020. And if you have not already, please do go vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Let's keep it real cute about the priorities of this podcast and what we know is likely our viewership. We hope that you um, are intentional about voting. We hope that our liberties are preserved and we wish you well uh, during what we know is a turbulent time. If you're not already following me on Instagram, check out a recent post that I did of, uh, around strategies for trying to be well amidst a presidential election. I share some specific strategies for women about just how to like be well during this time to navigate challenging conversations or not um, and to prioritize your risk. So definitely check that out. It's at Instagram.com backslash Ashley Ashire. That's backslash A-S-H-L-E-Y-A-S-S-H-I-R-E. And to further the conversation of centering Black women being well, I'm excited to share that I'm hosting a November masterclass. That's right. In October, you know, I hosted a masterclass about all things project management. And in November, that's right, November 16th, that's a Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm hosting another masterclass. This one will be called What to Do When They Cry, Strategies for Black Women in Navigating White Spaces. I remember November 2016 when their current president was elected and going to work the next day and the challenges of hearing my colleagues stand in my doorframe, people who had considered themselves allies, uh, and friends of mine cry about the outcome of the election. And I was stunned, but I was also angry at the audacity of these tears when I knew they didn't stand up for me in meetings. I knew they didn't advocate for me in any meaningful way. And I knew they weren't having the challenging conversations that allies absolutely need to have with their aunts, their uh, nieces, their great grandmother who voted in a way that did not preserve my interests. Um, and so I'm going to talk to you about how I have successfully navigated white spaces for most of my career working. Um, in higher education, corporate and nonprofit leadership, um, and some salient strategies for you to be able to do the same well. This masterclass is not going to be about shrinking. It's not going to be about you know, self-care, it's going to be about strategy and intention and prioritizing you and your well-being. I want every Black woman who finds themselves often in majority white spaces to come to this masterclass because it's going to be transformative. I've taught it to my mastermind group. It's a, a, it's a mentorship group um, of small, like executive level women um, that I, that I teach, um, that I've been teaching for the past 10 weeks or so. And it was by far one of the most transformative um, classes for them, and I know it will be for you too. I will not teach this class outside of the master 
uh, mind in the future. So I definitely want you to be there. You can go and grab your ticket to What to Do When They Cry, Strategies for Black Women in Navigating White Spaces at mentor-me.org backslash education. That's M-E-N-T-O-R-me.org backslash education. This masterclass is going to help all of us be more intentional, intentional about how we walk in the world, in, in what we find a very right world. So regardless of the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, I want you to be absolutely equipped to center yourself. Next up is I Digress. And this week we are talking No Sex Zone. One of our favorite podcasters, shout out to Adrian of the Bruni Breakdown podcast, started a star on Instagram this week uh, when she asked her followers how long they've gone without sex. The conversation started out pretty mundanely. Two weeks, three months, a year. I'm a virgin of, or I've practiced celibacy throughout my um, life. However, one follower responded and said that he was married and hadn't had sex with his wife in five years. On this week's episode, we are going to talk through this story as it unfolded on Instagram stories and talk about intimacy, gaps in intimacy, how they happen, and what to do about it. So again, shout out to Adriana of the Winnie Breakdown podcast. She is a fellow podcaster in front of the show. Uh, she was a part of our, um, she's been a guest on School and Life before. And um, so check her out. She was a guest this summer. Uh, so check out her previous uh, episode. She's so much fun. Uh, and I love the way that she interacts with her audience on social media. She has a growing following and they really uh, are connected with her. They share their stories with her um, and their, um, lives with her. Most of her content is about life um, and uh, relationships. And she often talks about sex and intimacy. So it wasn't uncommon that she asked her followers this question in Instagram stories. Um, and then when the um, when the guy, you know, shared that, you know, it had been five years, she just started to engage with him. And then she, with his permission, she shared what their conversation was like. So he was saying that, you know, he um, loves his wife. Uh, he's, um, they've been married um, for more than five years, um, but haven't been intimate in five. They have a um, child and he's not aware that she has any health issues or anything, but he said, you know, a couple of days um, moved to a couple of weeks and a couple of weeks moved to a couple of months. And then the one year mark hit. And then when she asked this question on Instagram, he realized it's not been one year, it's been five. Uh, she asked him, you know, have you cheated? Like, have you like stepped outside of a relationship? Like what's going on? He's like, no, he's like, you know, I spent a lot of intimate time with myself, <laughs> um, you know, making sure that I'm good. He's like, but no, I haven't cheated. And I don't know that she's cheating either. Um, you know, we sleep in separate bedrooms. We kiss each other when we see each other in the morning. Um, and I'm really proud of the life that I built and, um, you know, what, what we've amassed and what we've, um, accomplished. Um, and so I'm not planning to leave my marriage. I just don't like her anymore. And I don't want to have sex with her. And everybody, <laughs> 
Aunt Goody's story was, was like, excuse me? Like, what you mean you don't like her? What you mean y'all not talking about it? What you mean y'all kiss in the morning time as you get your coffee, but y'all sleep in separate bedrooms and y'all are not married? So Marcy, I thought this was a great conversation to bring to our podcast where we talk about life, love, and occasionally libations and um, just really get our initial reactions to this story and kind of walk through um, what it means to have a gap in intimacy like this. So Marcy, tell me like, what's your initial reactions to the story? So what's interesting is that I had several reactions just to like hearing the story because at first, of course, when you say someone said that they haven't had sex with their partner in five years, it's like, whoa, five years, that's a long time. And then I was like, well, let me just hear more. So I was curious to know because I think that there are valid reasons why someone wouldn't have sex with their partner for five years and not even be cheating because they're there is a whole spectrum of sexuality and the ability to be intimate or the desire to be intimate in those ways, physically intimate in those ways. And even with the like sleeping in separate bedrooms and kissing in the morning and being happy, I was like, okay, or not even being happy, but those behaviors, I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm still open and following. But then at the end, when you mentioned that I just don't like her and (laughs) I'm not interested in having sex with her, that is where I was like, oh, okay, so something more is happening here that's not being discussed and not being talked about. So it's not like within the normal range of we're just not sexually intimate. There is also a deeper issue in the marriage that I think is more relevant to talk about than um, the actual not having sex in five years. What about you? What was your initial reaction to the story? Yeah, I think absolutely like you, it was a shock of like, what, five years? And then of course you go to like, well, maybe she's sick. Maybe she's, you know, um, you know, maybe she's had a lot of kids over that period of time. She's just not feeling herself, not feeling connected. Um, but then like, you know, you hear they have one child together. And I think the child was older than five, <clears throat> obviously. And, um, and that, you know, he's not cheating. So there's not a lack of infidelity. It's just kind of like, what is going on? So for me, the biggest thing was just like the lack of communication. Like I, and I said this, um, Booney had went live, um, after, uh, like kind of disclosing in stories, she went live and to talk to her audience about it. And I joined the live. And one of the things that I said, and I think this still rings true for me is like, I'm not married, but I believe that. I believe in the idea that like marriage is a ministry and you like like not being intimate with your partner and not liking them and not even wanting to be intimate with them is a sham and you are out here living in line of fraud like I just feel like it's so deceitful um like it's so deceitful for so many reasons and the fact that you are not like not even willing to communicate to your partner, like, hey, I don't like you, I don't wanna be in this relationship, um, is is confusing and shameful. But then I also, one of the other things I was reflecting on is like, obviously we're getting one side, where we're getting his side. And so I'm like, sis, how are you not having sex with your husband for five years? How are you still in this relationship? Why are you not communicating that either, A, I want to have sex or B, I don't and I don't want to be with you? Like, how has it gotten this far, I think was my initial reaction. And I think that there are so many factors, like you said, that can contribute um, 
to a lack of sex or intimacy in a relationship. You know, I do think about those health issues, you know, like when you um, have, you know, it, whether it's a chronic health issue or it's an acute issue, right? Like there's something going on with your body, doesn't feel like yours anymore. You don't feel connected to it. You don't want to share it with anybody else. That's weird. That's real. Mental health related issues, right? Like you are suffering with anxiety or depression um, or some other um, serious mental health issue and you just cannot, be intimate um, because you're spend, expending so much energy, like navigating your wellness, right? From a mental health perspective. Um, and I think just um, vanity and like this idea that like, oh, I don't want to be intimate because I don't like the way I look or I don't like the way I feel in my body and I don't want to share it with anyone else um, could lead to a lack of sex and intimacy in a relationship. And also honestly, like what he said, like not liking your partner, not feeling them no more, like not wanting to like, like, I don't even want to, it's like, it, it almost disgusts you to the point you're like, you know what? I don't even want to like engage you. Cause I don't even like, you know, for me at least. And I think this is true for a lot of people. Sex is um, like a very, sex is a very emotionally charged experience, right? It's a, it's a big exchange of energy and, you know, who spends energy on somebody they don't even like, somebody they don't even want to be connected with. Um, so those are some of the factors that I feel like could be leading, right, to this lack of sex for them. So Marcy, you talked about the fact that it might not even be, the sex is maybe a, a, a symptom, but maybe not, you know, the cause or whatever. So can you talk a little bit more about that? And then like the factors that you think might contribute to what you're talking about or that might be contributing to this lack of sex and intimacy in their relationship? Yeah, I was more so just thinking that if they don't like each other, then obviously y'all are not going to be having sex with one another. If there is no, and this is why I think it's so important to not just talk about sex as intimacy, but talk about sex as a type of intimacy. Because if you all are not being affectionate and not connecting and not being intimate in an emotional way or in a mental way, or even like a financial way, chances are you're not going to want to be sexually intimate with one another. And even if he hasn't communicated that he doesn't like his wife, I'm sure that his wife is aware that he does not like her because that's not something that you can just hide. I'm really curious to know how do we go to sleeping in two separate bedrooms? That doesn't just happen overnight. Are you all generally, when you're married, you don't just set up this, um, this practice of sleeping in two separate bedrooms. So what led to that? I just, it just seems strange that this habit and this practice would just exist without there having been something to initiate it and without knowing them, I can't say what that is, but there is something that happened that led more so to the lack of emotional intimacy that they're experiencing and the lack of friendship that they're experiencing that is contributing to this lack of sexual intimacy. And the similar, along the lines of what you're saying is that like physical, the physical part, the attractiveness, and even like low libido in general for him or for her, but also if he's masturbating a lot, that is going to impact his sex drive and his attraction to his wife too, especially if he's using porn as the stimulant to be able to masturbate. That drive, like porn can become addictive and porn just distorts um, what sexual experiences are supposed to be. So there are lots of factors that can be playing out. And after having a kid, like 
your body does feel very different. I think there is a high standard that is placed on sex in our society. And so if you don't feel like you're living up to those standards, it can be difficult to be intimate. There is also this idea of like what you're supposed to be as a sexual person after you have a child, even sometimes before you don't necessarily feel like that anymore, depending on what age they are. Like there's so many factors that go into that. And it also depends on what their sex life was like before that. Like who are we to say that they weren't having sex every month before that or every couple of months before that. So the transition into five years doesn't seem like it would be a far stretch if you already weren't having sex a lot to begin with. And I also think that like life impacts sex. So if you are busy, if you are working all the time, if you're tired all the time, if there isn't time created to be able to engage with your partner in this way, it makes it easier for the days to pass. And the way the time is flying right now, it makes it so easy to just be like, oh, we haven't had sex in a month. We haven't had sex in two months. We haven't had sex in a year. And while that may be foreign to a lot of people who value sex, I think it actually is kind of easy to be able to get into that place. So if those things are happening, then we need to be able to address where those things come from. So if we work our way back from what I was just saying, if you're busy and you don't have time for sex, it may not seem sexy, but schedule the time in, just like we talked about scheduling in your care, your self-care and your rest. Schedule in time for sex. Be intentional about it. Make sure that that is a priority if it's a priority for your relationship. But also before even doing that, go back to what made us attracted to one another to begin with. What is the connection that I have with this person? What are some things that we can do to just reconnect intimately and affectionately in a way that we haven't been doing. Sleep in the same, like let's just transition back to sleeping in the same bed together. Sleep naked, like just reconnect in a way that is going to build back up the chemistry that you all experienced prior to this happening. And if you aren't in a place right now where you haven't had sex in five years, then make sure that you are constantly doing these things to make sure that you don't get to that space. So those would be some of my things to address it. Um, What about you, Ashley? What would you need to be, uh, what would need to be addressed for this relationship to be prepared? You know, Marcy, you covered it well. And if I think the only thing I would add is, do you desire the relationship to be repaired, right? Like, is is there reconciliation here for you? Um, Because you're right, it's not just the sex. And so like five years of silence, five years of lies, five years of you not liking me is like probably going to be the problem. And that's a lot of years you know, even though time's moving fast, it's a lot of years, it's half a decade for you to be lying about the fact you don't like me. Like (laughs) that's a long time. So I think the, the, uh, like one deciding whether reconciliation is feasible would be first. And then if so, doing all of the things literally line by line by line that you recommended, I think is really important. I wanted to go back, however, to something that you said, because it is some, it like really like, had my wheels turning around like the fact that he talked about you know no I haven't cheated you know I really love the life that I've built and what I've been doing to like compensate is like masturbate and yeah like I 
I am hashtag team masturbation, really believe in it, like want women to know their bodies, want women to like be super duper connected and like know how to like bring themselves to orgasm so that they can, you know, get what they need without having to rely on someone else. However, if you are partnered, um, I think that there's value in, uh, you know, connecting with your partner in a meaningful way to allow them to help you with that. And what I, what I heard you say, or what I'm processing from that is like, by like not leveraging that as an opportunity for intimacy and, and, and doing it on your own. And then maybe if this is the case, like he's infusing porn and then you're building up this fantasy world in your mind, and then you don't need your partner. Like for what? I got everything I need. Um, and so the lack of vulnerability, right. And connection to me is something that, um, that I, like I feel like is missing. And I love what you talked about in terms of like infusing intimacy in the relationship. Like maybe let's start to sleep together again. Let's try to sleep together naked. Let's go to therapy. Like let's be intentional about getting some help, right? Some perspective um, are some of the ways that I feel like they might be able to infuse intimacy in their relationship. And, you know, I think we can certainly like give advice all day, but we're both in relationships. So do you you know, the advice that you gave around like being intentional about intimacy and those connection pieces, do you find yourself applying those in your own relationship as well? Most definitely. And I think that it's just important to acknowledge that even though we are in relationships, we don't have all the answers and we don't get it right all the time. So you have to be able to check in with what what is going to be most helpful for your relationship given the status of it, given the place that you all are in, given the scenarios that you have. For example, I don't have kids. Like, that's not my ministry. So I can't tell you what your life should look like as a parent and what your marriage should look like with a five-year-old, a six-year-old. I could give you some insights into how to do an inventory and be able to adjust accordingly. But you really have to do some kind of reflection and understanding of what's going on um but it's a practice like it is always something to be considering and to be mindful of because I truly believe that intimacy is multifaceted and it takes work and if you don't have the foundation of intimacy in your relationship your relationship doesn't have a solid foundation And even going back to like the vulnerability and the masturbating and porn, it's not to say like, if this works for your relationship, it's not to say that you can't masturbate, man or woman, like whatever, masturbate. It's when that becomes more of a priority or your go-to rather than being with your partner, that is when it becomes challenging. So if, again, if your relationship, you all have openness around like, hey, this is my time, (laughs) like, I got this, I'm good fine, do that. But you do have to be really intentional and questioning of, do I choose to masturbate over being intimate with my partner, being sexually intimate with my partner? And that is where it starts to come into question. So definitely maintaining that practice, definitely maintaining that awareness and not assuming that because you have a healthy sex life, that your relationship is also healthy. I think those are important things to be mindful of and be able to really investigate um, where your status is in your relationship. I think that that's good, Marcy. And I, you know, I definitely follow those strategies um, in my own relationship. After listening to this story, 
I um, said to my partner, I was like, yeah, you know, like we should like really like, you know, I just want to check in, you know, like how are things going? <laughs> you know, like we, like we should, we should focus on our intimacy. <laughs> and, and he was like, I think we're good. I was like, well, you know, I just want to check because, you know, one day could lead to a week and a week could lead to a month and a month could lead to five years. Let me tell you about what happened. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> so, you know, I, and I love the idea. I know people are like, oh, that's just so boring, but like see hashtag scheduling sex, like for busy working adults, like I just think that there's so much value in it can build some into, uh, into Participation. It can help you prepare. Um, I mean, like, don't go off the deep end like we, uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon in um, Little Fires Everywhere. And she, had, she had that clock. <laughs> don't go off the deep end, right? But like, don't don't hesitate to make it a priority. And if making it a priority means putting it on a calendar, shout out to that. Um, shout out to that. And we digress. So next up is all black everything. Marcy, what do you have for us this week? So this week in All Black Everything, I want to share a couple of things. The first one is just to um, say her name, like give homage to rest in heaven, rest in peace to Shanice Wallace, Dr. Shanice Wallace. Last week, I read an article about um, her passing away during childbirth after complications from preeclampsia four days after she gave birth prematurely by a cesarean delivery. She is actually a chief pediatric resident at the Indiana University School of Medicine in Indianapolis. And while we have heard these stories before, we, we've talked about Serena Williams, we've talked about the countless number of Black women who have died either during childbirth or shortly after. It just really, it still shocks me and still just like, rocks me to the core when I see stories like this. And originally when I was thinking about talking about this, I was like, you know, I got to remind Black women to advocate for themselves and to make sure they ask the right questions. She was a chief pediatric resident. Like, I can't imagine that she didn't know that these were things to ask about and that she didn't know what she needed to advocate for. And so I more so want to speak to like, the medical field and say, get it together, like get this together. Black women are dying by doing one of the most natural things on earth, giving birth. Like the thing that our body was made to do, we're dying because of. And I don't understand why it's so difficult for you all to give us the same attention and care as our white counterparts. Like I don't hear all of these stories about white women dying from this at the same rate that Black women are. And it it just, it continues to blow my mind. And when we talk about Black Lives Matter, while yes, it's related to police brutality, we're also talking about all the other ways that our lives matter. Like all the other reasons that we are unnecessarily dying, doing things that we should be fully able to do, walk down the street, give birth to children, go jogging, go jogging, go into a store. Like all of these things that we should be able to do with out questioning whether our lives are on the line. And then y'all always want to ask us, well, when you having kids, have a baby, do X, Y, Z. No, because you know what? It may, maybe I'm being selfish, but I really like my life. And I would prefer not to, at the hands of a doctor who is supposed to save my life, die because I gave birth to a child. So I don't even know what the point is. 
I just wanted to say her name and acknowledge that this is still something that is unfortunately happening and that we have to just do our best to take care of ourselves because it does not seem like the world is ever going to catch up with that. Um, Ashley, did you hear about this story? What were your thoughts about it? I did. And I was so hurt. Um, for her I had heard stories about her husband advocating for her right we talk about like have somebody in the room with you like let them know the right questions to ask you know and it just reminds me that no level of degree no level of advocacy no level of like you know just white supremacy is so a lead blanket in so many ways um and even like you said, for the most natural thing that our bodies can do for us. And I do think that I encourage women moreover to really be thoughtful about the decision to have children. Um, you know, I, th- I think that there, there's a thoughtful conversation there. Um, censoring our wellness may, may have us saying no to some things um, or having them in ways that won't put our lives in danger, home births, you know, prim- um, you know, prioritizing a doula, um, you know, uh, doing a holistic in, in a holistic way where you don't have to go to a hospital if if your um, right if your health will allow right. So those are some things that I'm reflecting on. Yeah, I love that. I love that advice to really think about alternative ways of giving birth and the ways that you can have support. Make sure that you research it and you have support because. We're not giving birth in our bathtub and just doing it by ourselves, but making sure that you have the appropriate research, the appropriate support around you. And just if it is in your practice, pray about it because that's that's what I got. Um, But on a fairly lighter note, I just wanted to tell all of y'all that are Beehive fans. If you all go buy one more thing (laughs) from Adidas. I went, so I had my early access set up. I went on the deals and I'm like, look, send me the email. I'm probably not gonna buy nothing, but I just want the opportunity to go onto the Adidas website and look at some Ivy Park stuff and maybe buy one thing. Maybe just add something to my cart so I can feel like I am included. However, I go on an hour later, which was my fault. I understand. I know that that was not the right thing to do. And everything is sold out. Literally everything gone. The shorts, the gender neutral hoodies, the crop tops, the shoes, everything is sold out. I just wanted to say, I don't like none of y'all. I really wish that y'all would just hold off, back down. I get it. But dang, can people just have a moment? I don't think it's fair that y'all just jump in there and take everything. So for all of y'all that actually got in and got something, I'm mad. I don't like y'all. And next time, I'm going to be on the internet at 9.59 a.m. as opposed to <laughs> being an hour late so I can maybe get some Ivy Park next time, whenever next time she decides to grace us with another collection. Listen, Beyonce, like a Jordan drop, baby. You got to be <laughs> on top of it um i'm sorry that you missed out dear friend check out that resale market (laughs) so lastly is tvt and this week we're excited because fall tv is back and we are talking our favorite family um this is us is back and two hour episode kicked off the fall uh season and man 
I thought that I would make a connection between our I digress topic and talking about um, this is us because y'all know Randall struggles. He's a little self-righteous. He's a little self-concerned and that leads to all kinds of problems. Um, But in this episode, Beth is trying to connect with him on his birthday. Um, They skip ahead a bit. So they are 40 now. They're celebrating their 40th birthday, the big three. And you know where things left off. Uh, Randall and his brother are fighting. Kate and her husband are trying to, or considering adopting a baby. Um, And um, uh, Kevin and Kate's best friend are pregnant. Um, Rebecca is starting to show the early signs of Alzheimer's. Um, and I pretty much think that wraps up the family. So, so yeah, so that is, um, that's a whole thing, right? That's a whole thing that's happening and, and is, is being sort of where we left off. And so, um, Rebecca is trying to be intimate with Randall on his 40th birthday. And, you know, she says, it's been a while, you know, she comes, you know, takes off her top, she's getting all sexy. And he's like, can I get a rain check? And she literally says, what do I look like a car wash? <laughs> she's not having it. She's upset. And she feels so disconnected from her husband. And um, the, the story from there just follows like what happens on their 40th birthday. We've seen this 40th birthday before. So there's been some flashes of this. So again, no real spoilers, um, but um, we've seen some flashes of this and what happens on their 40th birthday in previous episodes. So they did do some foreshadowing. But Marcy, we have you have to watch the episode because I have been on the edge of my seat. I heard something in the episode. And when I heard it, I was like, wait, I don't, I don't know what that means or like what like what is she talking about and then at the end of the second episode something happened that caught me completely off guard and I cannot wait to talk to you about it next week um one of the things that I will say about this week's episode and listeners you can tell me if you agree Randall is so much more tolerable he's less self-centered he is he it takes him a while to get there in the episode but He's less, he's less self-centered. He's really like leaning into like other people matters and not everything is about me. Um, and he has a really great moment and dialogue. And what I love about the, the show is that they absolutely didn't pretend that the pandemic doesn't exist. They have masks, they do flashes to it. They, they do a really good job of like, like talking about the pandemic and like, like, hey, this is the thing that matters. This is the thing that's, that's like happening in the world. Um, but he, he has some dialogue around just like what it means to be going through a global pandemic, what it means to be black at this time um, of protests and civil unrest in like Philly, right? In the major city and be a man who's processing through that, you know, that's like out of a white family. Um, And he has some dialogue around just exhaustion and being tired. And um, he has it with his sister and kind of calls her out, right? And I really, I think that it was a sentiment that I could definitely resonate with. Like, listen, I'm not angry. I'm not like, you know, don't love you. I'm just fucking tired. And I just, I just at my end. Right. And I don't even, I can't even process that with you and your, I'm sorry. How I'm sorry. I'm sorry. is not helping. So cannot wait till you dive in because 
there is a twist we need to talk about. Um, Marcy, I know you're a big fan of This Is Us. Are you excited for the return? I am. And I wish that I had actually planned a little bit better for it because I totally had time to have watched it this week. But it was just like, all of a sudden, I started seeing all these posts in my therapist group talking about, did y'all see Randall? And I was just like, whoop, nope, slide on by, keep on scrolling. So I'm super excited that it's back. I promise y'all I will watch it before we next meet. I will try to watch both the premiere and the next episode. And I still ain't finished Lovecraft Country, but I will also try to have that done as well. These are goals. We don't say goals for 2020 because um, y'all know I'm not going to sit up here a lot of y'all and and say what's really going to happen. But yes, Ashley, I am excited. Yes, I can't wait. So we will have a full recap. Um, everyone watch it. I may talk about it in my IG stories over the next couple of days because I, I heard something and I need to process with someone else. So super excited about that. Um, make sure you watch and then we'll come back and talk in our second um, episode of November. Thank you so much for listening to School and Life today. We're so excited about the community we've built, about the connections that we're able to make and to be able to bring you life, love, and libations every week. Share School and Life with a friend. We want to make connections with other women through this podcast. And as a reminder, um, if you haven't already, make sure that you um, check out the um, uh, What to Do When They Cry Masterclass. It's going to be in mid-November and you can grab your ticket at mentor-me.org backslash education. Thanks for listening. School's out. Class business.